Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, it's Timmy Manor, and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, like he does every single week, it's Big Bad being little. Yes, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's an honour to have you here, like always. And I'll tell you what, it's also an honour to have our guest this week. What a special guest we've got. You know, it was a 15-year career spanned over two continents. Wow. Our guest is one of the most hardworking and humble athletes you'll ever get a chance to speak to, Benny. Come on. He amassed over 200 professional rugby union games in both Japan and Australia. Our guest left it all out on the field before announcing his retirement in June of this year. Tonight, our guest on the Spirit of Sport is rugby union player Sammy Wikes. Sammy, thanks for joining us on the Spirit of Sport. <laughs> thanks, Les. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good. Uh, the intro. Yeah, no, thanks, Sammy. It's uh, you know, I just want to show respect where it's due. It's funny, like when you when we do this show, Benny. Um, a lot of these guys obviously know, but. You, you read their numbers and their stats again, you're like, oh, that's really impressive. Like, yeah, he's done two, right. 200 professional rugby union games in two continents, 15-year career. Um, I, I want to give you a little bit of a fun fact, that, Benny. I played my first rugby union game as a uh, 15-year-old alongside Sam Wikes. Wow. A little fun fact there. And where were you guys? Who were you playing for? Uh, well, it was a local competition, Tongan competition. Yeah. Um, and we had a pretty stacked team with like, Parramatta junior players. Yeah. And our fearless captain was probably the only rugby union player they had in the team was Sammy Wikes. <laughs> <Yes>. And <laughs> he had these, yeah, mate, that was actually a bit of, bit of fun there. Um, that was great. And it was a stacked team, wasn't it? Jeez, there was some bloody superstars in there. Buddy Haynes out fullback. Buddy Stanley Wacker. And, uh. Also, I think we played against Buddy Andrew Fafita and David. That's right, yeah, yeah. That same competition. Um, yeah, there was a few fighting around, but you know, no stats. It doesn't say how many games I lost, did it, out of that 200? <laughs> oh, well, there couldn't have been more than me, so you're sweet. It's a, you're safe nah. in the show. <laughs> oh, I was with the Sunwolves for a bit in the Western Force here through those, uh, uh, and the Tars this year didn't win a game, so Jesus, the win record's not that great, but that uh, will. Onwards and upwards, mate. We'll get we'll get a bit to uh, your, your post football uh, transition, but let's start let's start again. You you talk about you know your time at the Western Force. How did that come about? I know it was a it was a new club when you were going over there. How did you get involved with the Western Force? Yeah, I was um, I grew up out west in uh, Blacktown. There, I went to Patricia Brothers at Blacktown. Um, yeah, I just thought I was more suited to Union, and uh, just went through like sort of the age group stuff there, like uh, Aussie schoolboys and. Was you 19s, and then um, then the force sort of came into the competition as I, I guess, first year out of school, um, and I was doing some stuff with the Tars, and then um, yeah, I guess with the Tars, mate, there was there was a lot of uh, lot of competition, um, a lot of second rows there. So I just thought I might um, have an opportunity. You know, came up over over in Perth. You know, they had a few injuries there, and they said, mate, you'd be fourth in line, fifth in line if you if you come over now. And I think at the Tars, were probably about eight in line. Mm. And then um, yeah, mate, just jumped over. I just had a crack, just told mum, yeah, I'm, move, I'm moving to Perth, and yeah. that was it. Back when it all started at Patrician Brothers, how did how did you end up at Patrician Brothers? Were you scouted out just as a, a youngster, or did you decide to go with some mates, or how did it roll out? 
No, I, I just I lived down the road from there. Oh, I, sweet. I, I was in Lala Park there. So, yeah, that was sort of the local high school for, for us. Oh, that works. I mean, I was... A, <laughs> Mate, I, was a, I definitely would have been scouted for a league, mate. I was bloody terrible. I jumped on the wing there for, <laughs> for, for, for our team. I was slow as a wet week. Uh, uh, late bloomer, eh? Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I just wanted to play with my mates, you know. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of talent comes out of Paddy's there. Yeah. Except for Paulo. Juniors, so, yeah. yeah. That's all I know. Mate, Western Suburbs is a long way from, uh, you know, West... Uh, in terms of Western Australia, that's a long way from home. How did yeah. you go with the the transition to Perth and moving away from your family and friends? Matt, it was it was different. Yeah, I would have only been um, I, was, I, was, I think I was eighteen at the time when I moved oh, over. Wow, um, mate, I was keen to get out of home. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> it's just something just something different. Live on my own. Uh, but but actually, when I went over, what was what was awesome? Um, and it's sort of you know weird to say now that buddy. My first roommates was uh, Nick Cummins, the Honey Badger, and um, James Stannard, who's now the assistant coach for the women's sevens team. Yeah, right. And I don't know, I don't know how how Cummo became the bloody boxer. There's <laughs> 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 a bit of a grub of it, but uh, uh, but honestly, some some great roommates, and we had a really good uh, I, I guess really good culture, so to speak. You know, some good lads that because everyone moved away from home, um, we were pretty tight knit, so. Yeah, that, that made it a lot easier. But it, but it was cool to sort of like, uh, I guess, learn all the grown-up things, learn how to cook and, and clean up after yourselves and that type of stuff, pay rent. So, uh, so yeah, it was a good life experience early on. And how did you find it over there? Did you enjoy your time in Perth? Was it, um, yeah, yeah, new clubs, is all, it's always a different one with new clubs because you don't have the pressure and expectation of, you know, you don't need to win a comp in your first couple of years because you've got that grace and that leniency of, um, you know, patient and understanding fans. But at the same time, it's uh, it's hard to build you know, a successful club so quickly. How did you find trying to build that, and how did you find um, you know, the, the the struggles that come with being a new club? Yeah, um, you know, obviously the, just moving over to Perth in general. Like, uh, you know, it's like there's no beaches out west in Sydney there, so it was cool to live near the water and uh, sort of being in amongst it around there. But um, yeah, just I guess like Matty Gitto, Nathan Sharp, uh, Cameron Shepherd. Ryan Cross was there at the time, so I guess they, they like, I guess, bought a lot of talent. Um, so, like, I guess we, we had we had a little bit of success. I think it was, it was, like, that competition, too, back then, it was super, super 14. You had to be top four to make the, uh, you know, make the playoff sort of series. So, I, I, there was a couple of times there we would finish seventh or eighth, but, you know, we're only two points out of the out of the top four, so to speak. So, it was a, it was a pretty tight, um, tight competition. Um but, but you're right, like once, I guess, sort of things went a little bit south, like a lot of those players left and, I mean, it was very hard to rebuild after that. You know, there was some, there was some lean years there, a lot of, a lot of changes of coaches and players. Um, and and I, it got to a point, yeah, well, obviously, that, uh, you know, fans were starting to get sick of it and, and whatnot. And, um, yeah, then, then they had a bit of a spell out of, the, out of the competition there for a little bit when I left to Japan. But uh, it's good to see them back in now, like, uh, you know, Twiggy Forest has obviously got behind him to, to pump it back up. But, yeah, as I said, mate, those sort of um, uh, you know, different sort of franchise teams, yeah, I think there's no, no expectation. But I think after sort of that, you know, three years sort of comes off, you can't be saying you're the new team anymore and still building. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what was – of all the teams you're involved in, what was the, the standout team for you that was, you know, the most successful, most unity, best team heart, team spirit – um, what what stood out for you over the years? Oh, I guess, um, 
all, all the teams that I sort of played with, I think there was always uh, like a unique, tight-knit bond, you know, no matter what circumstances were happening. But I think for me personally, one of the one of the sort of best years that I really enjoyed was when I went to the Sunwolves in 2017. Mm. Um, it was a bit of a, like, the, again, throwing the team together. So, like, what happens over there in Japan, like, you're playing the local top league comp where you play for companies, like household names like Coca-Cola, Panasonic, oh. Mitsubishi, and all those type of things. And then when that season finished, um, you know, you had two weeks to prepare for Super Rugby. So, like, they'll, they'll throw a team together within two weeks. Um, and say, yep, you guys go play in one of the, the toughest competitions in the world. Yeah. <laughs> now, you still learn the names, you know, round one, but you're chucking the language and all that type of stuff as well. So, yeah, wow. um, and, and then the amount of travel, like, you know, I think it was the equivalent of two round world trips that we did that year for 2017, two trips to South Africa, Argentina, New Zealand, Singapore, and Hong Kong. So, oh, yeah. um, mate, so like, and, and for me personally, like, there, there was a moment there where, um, where I didn't get re-signed in Coke, I, like where I was playing for Coca-Cola in Japan. Yeah. And this was a bit of a lifeline for myself. So I think what, what came with it was a, a little bit more gratitude of like, okay, if this is the sort of last sort of stint, I just want to really want to really want to enjoy it. Yeah. And um, I was able to put some good games together. And then that year I sort of played my 100th cap, um, you know, with, with the summer. So that, that was awesome. I think just the off-field stuff, culturally, getting a bunch of boys, you know, not with... The expectation is most likely that we would lose every game, mm. uh, but we were, to, we were able to get a couple of wins against some some big teams there. So, you know, we we enjoyed them as well. What What was the highlight of living over in Japan, or what was the best part about it? <laughs> um, I, I think it's just something so different, like as in like culturally, you know, like you, you can come to Australia, or whatever, like you know, there's there's English writing with you know, say like Chinese writing or like, you know, characters or whatever. But yeah, you know, over there it's like, it's, it's purely Japanese. Like uh, you, you're, you're accustomed to their way of life. Um, mm. You sort of, like, it, it's just so different that like, uh, like, you know, you, you, you've got to try your best to sort of speak the language. You know, I could get by at the end of it. Yeah. My five years there. Um, and I, I just love the fact that like from a footy point of view and a, and a lot of like, uh, I, I, that was probably where I really appreciated, um, yeah, being a professional sort of rugby player or whatever athlete, because uh, I was able to reflect on it. Because when you play for companies over there, there's only a certain amount of professionals or so-called professionals that they'll have in the team, and um, they're the foreigners uh, that usually, and then the rest of the Japanese lads would be uh, company workers, and they just seen them, to see them sort of love footy, you know, they, they would go work, you know, all day and then come and have this massive smile on the face because they're ready to play, like train footy or, you know, when they loved working, like uh, going on camps, like say we had a two-week camp, the summer camp, but they loved it, they lived for it because that was their way to get away from work as well and just live in a hotel and just train, like just train as a professional athlete. So there's a big appreciation of, um, yeah, looking back, so mate, we, we got it pretty good. Um, and then the other thing is that I think I had my son over there, which was a different experience as well. He was, he was yeah, born awesome. in Japan. Cool. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, cool things like that. I think it's hard to sort of say what I actually like. I, I, it's just one of those experiences I'm just yeah, appreciative I got to live over there. Mate, on the spirit of sport, we like to help people out um, with their, their status as a young dating um, athlete or as a, uh, a married man with kids. Where, where are you up to on the relational journey? Maybe we can help you out, bring some counselling. <laughs> Sorry, Sammy. Oh, Benny, well. Benny hasn't read the, the tip sheet I gave him. <laughs> no, so. yeah. I've been studying it for three days. Happily married? Happily married? 
Two uh, kids. How old are they? Two kids. Uh, so my daughter, Nia, is eight. Awesome. And then my son, Wycliffe, will be turning, should know this, six next week. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. I love it. And yeah, like 10 years of marriage next year. 10 awesome. years. What did you do ten for years. 10 years, mate? What did you do? No, nah, ne- next year. Oh, okay. Oh, mate, I was, hoping, uh, I was hoping lockdown was still on. So I was happy to go anywhere. Going back to minimum wage, geez, I was like, mate, we're not we not play foot anymore. We might have to just bloody camp out the backyards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Sammy, you, t- you talk about you know your son being born in Japan and, and the culture change. How did the um, the other players, so, you know, the ones that go to work? I know you're saying they loved it, but was there any animosity to like of from them towards the the overseas players that were pretty much cruising all day and then coming to training? Um, while they yeah, were working, there, there was that, bro. Yeah, there, there definitely was that. Like for for a couple of players, I, I think as well, um, especially like because from say from coach. So my experience at Coke. So from the lower teams, you'd probably get that a lot more. Yeah. So when I when I when I played at Coca Cola, like uh, again, wasn't known for winning at all. It was like more just happy to be in top league. So they'll, they'll just celebrate the fact that oh, we're but in they top league, great, you know? great soft drink. They might not be winning on the field, but they, they win off the field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, um, you know, and, and there was like, so I, I remember um, I went over there for like, there was a bloke who was just like picking up the kit, you know, just helping, would help him pick up the kit. Uh, Japanese fella. And then, um, you know, then our, then our head coach decided to quit when I, when I got over there and um, the bloke who was just picking up the kit because they wanted a Japanese person, they call it uh, a kantoku, over there that sort of like a Japanese person needs to be in that role to oversee it. He was the next sort of eldest in line, so he just got thrown in to be the head coach. Yeah. Um, and so like, mate, he, he was off me, off the phone from the start, like in terms of, I think, because he just felt that, uh, you know, you guys come over here just for a bit of coin. Um, and then if you didn't play well, like honestly, he would... He would tell me, he goes, why are you passing? You know, and he's breaking down, why are you passing? I need you to bump, 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 bump. That's all he would ever say to me. I was like, mate, you know, I was like, mate, I'll, I'll try my best, but, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're five eight throwing bloody big cutout boards who just hit all the foreigners, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they read it like a book. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because, mate, mate, Nick Cummins didn't score a try in his bloody two years there uh, yeah. with Coke, but, yeah, he was off him as well for not scoring tries, so... There is a little bit of that, but um, at the same time, because it's starting to get pretty big there now, uh, with the national team doing really well, um, that stuff's starting to sort of uh, sort of fizzle out a little bit. Yeah. Was there a standout coach for you um, over the years, and what was it for you that really resonated? Yeah, I, I, again, like learning from more different coaches. Um, mm. Probably Philo Tiantia was, like, again, like 2017, um, at Sunwolves there, he was our head coach and he's just taken on the forwards coach and assistant coach for the new Mono Pacifica team. Right. I think just um, just learning from him, one, when I first met him, just seeing him as like, you know, he was a big Samoan fella, mate, huge. Yeah. So I just felt like, because I'm half Tongan, and half Australian myself, um, he just felt like one of those bloody big uncles and you just didn't want to disappoint because yeah. um, he just felt like he would just give you a hide and he didn't play well. So, I played with a little bit of fear of like, oh, man, I, I better play well for this fella because he's giving me that look. Yeah. But, um, but he, I, what I learned from him in terms of like, because of the way the season was going, the way he sort of man-managed the boys with, again, different languages, because we also had Georgians 
Um, and we also had like Samoans and Tongans, but who couldn't speak English, but they were fluent in Japanese. So it, it was weird because wow. I like being half Tongan. I can't even, you know, man, I know the basic, my Japanese is better than my Tongan. So I'm trying to have a conversation with this Tongan bloke or a Fijian bloke in Japanese. So wow. it's just, yeah, like it's pretty, <laughs> pretty amazing experience that way. Um, and the way he sort of like got everyone to bond together, you know, I, I, we played the Bulls um, over there in Loftus. Uh, we actually had a pretty good uh, sort of game, you know, like it was only sort of the last 15 minutes where it blew out, maybe like 45, 20 or something. But like, you know, we were pretty flat after the long sort of tour and he, he made us sing our, our team song, yeah. you know, after the game, after, after we lost. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, what's going on here? We're singing the bloody... <laughs> The, the victory song after we lost, and he goes, mate, trust me, we're going to sing it one day, we're going to sing it one day. Um, mate, three weeks later, we played the Bulls again, like in, in Japan, and then, uh, yeah, we won that game, and he just comes in with his big smile, and he's yes. like, I told you, boys, I bloody told you we'd sing <laughs> it one it. day, you know, yeah. like, but that, for me, that was, like, so different, um, the way how he took losing, compared to, you know, I guess, some of those times when I was when I was here in Australia, so at the force, it was almost like a funeral when you walk in yeah. um, into the sheds. And Timmy, you'd know that all too yeah. well. Like you know, you know that feeling, eh? You just uh, oh, yeah, too well, you're right. Go again. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but every time, every time, like we sort of had like a you know, if it was if it was a decent performance, he'll come in. You know, obviously, you know when you have like music committees and all that type of stuff and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Even after you lost, you go, hey, where's the music? Where's the music? Get the music on, boys. It's not a funeral. Yeah. You know, so I thought like that that was cool. I learned to, something different from him on, on how to sort of, you know, just yeah, try and find the positives. What was the um, standout highlight for you in, in your career on the field? Um, Jesus. Mm. There's not many, is there? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, to be honest, like my debut was... was you know, I love that. Uh, it was over there oh, yeah. um, in Bluford time for the Cheetahs, against the Cheetahs. Um, you know, just sort of touring to South Africa for the first time, uh, you know, just as a 19-year-old. And, you know, name being getting called out to, to sort of, yeah, I'll start against the Cheetahs there. Yeah. And, and you know, we we won that game on the bill, or after the bill, sorry. So, like, it was, it was a pretty amazing experience, you know, like some of the players that I was playing with, you know, I, I idolised them. Um, you know, growing up, Nathan Sharp, Matty Ditto, um, you know, Cam Shepard, Scotty Stanislaus, you know, all those type of blokes. And, you know, to be able to, like, you know, win the game with them and, you know, just that feeling after, it was like, ah, this is this is happening. Mm. Um, and I, I think also what, what was cool, bro, is when I, I got to um, play World 15 um, in, in, against Japan, uh, in Japan. So Robbie Dan was a coach there. It was one of the best weeks of, I think, of... Uh, of uh, my footy career um, uh, ever, I think, really. Like, it's just an unbelievable experience, you know. Like, yeah, it's how you prepare for a normal game. Um, it's the opposite of that. So, throughout the week, and you end up probably sort of playing a little bit better, but I guess because of the players that you're playing with, but, yeah, that, that was an unreal experience, that one. Yeah. Mate, you, you've done so much in the game, but, you know, you you also, like, done a lot off the field as well. Um, and even now, transitioning to life after footy, How's the transition been, and can you give the listeners at home a bit of an idea of what you're doing with yourself now? Yeah, I, I think you know this transition phase. Like, um, I think it's it, it's it's tough. You know, I'm sort of grateful for some of the uh, we'd say, but like grateful for some of the players that uh, like that have gone through it um, and came back and told their story 
on on how hard it is to transition out of sport. Like you, you think of that. That's all you know. Obviously, we've got some skills that really translate well into, I guess, uh, careers outside of footy. You know, um, but there's some things that like you, like you just struggle with. Like you, you miss, you do miss your mates, your teammates, like the the, the locker room stuff. Um, you know, I guess I'm, I've just jumped into recruitment. Uh, you know, onto yeah, recruiting engineers. So oh, wow. Like, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Mate, I don't know. I don't know how. It, like, I just started. Um, it was one of the ones where, like, you didn't need any sort of formal qualifications or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, you just jump on a phone or whatever, make some cold calls. Uh, to be honest, some days I, I feel like um, it was easier playing footy than making a cold <laughs> call. Holy oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's different. Um, I didn't even know recruiting even existed for that time. I knew there was labour hire, um, but like I didn't even know that existed. It took me probably four months to figure out there was there was probably different engineers out there. I thought a mechanical engineer was a mechanical engineer. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, there was different sectors of it. Yeah, wow. Um, you know that, that, that transition phase. Yeah, look, just simple things of like uh, like your IT skills. You know, like. Yeah, we, we cut footage and stuff and, and watch it on, um, you know, training. Yeah. But never had to sort of really do anything with the computer besides watch footage, you know, yeah. or, or basic stuff that you normally do. Um, you know, just learn how to bloody send math emails the other day. You made it. I'm there bloody <laughs> yeah. out everyone, like, you know, with, and he goes, no, nah, mate, use a template. I was like, what's that? Yeah. And he bloody put it on there. So, and, and I guess the hardest thing is, is well, like, with footy, um, you're generally like a, a pretty good at it. Like a, like you've got skills where like you just were naturally sort of good at it. You know, even if you could pass, catch, whatever. But jumping into um, into sort of like a new role, like you just feel like, oh man, I this I, I am absolutely useless at this. Yeah. You know? Like uh, and and I know you're not starting again because as you said, like you you do get a bit of a head start. But uh, you say you're retired at 33. People who uh, then 33 who have been in the game for say 10 years. Yeah, their, good point. Their career is yeah. going going up again. Like we're we're going back down. Um, yeah. You know, again, like it, some people, I can see what why it's sort of it is hard. Say, say for instance, if people are on, you know, one mil, eight hundred thousand, whatever. Yeah. But then you've got to go back and humble yourself and say, oh, you know, he's 65. This is where you start, and you go, holy shit, 65k mm. for the year. Um, so. Yeah, what I will say, like anyone who is transitioning, like just uh, like you have a lot of time while you're playing. Like you might not think it while you're doing it. Like you go, oh, I want to recover, I want to do that. But I feel like you got so much more time when you when you're playing. When I look back at it, to sort of really start thinking about what you what you want to do. Um, and you don't, and you're probably still not going to figure it out until you actually stop playing anyway. Yeah. Uh, for most people, I, I feel, but uh, yeah, I think for anyone that's listening to it, that that might be going through it, mate. Just reach out to as many sort of players that have transitioned um, well out of it or whatever. Get grab a coffee with them and just talk to them about their experience because mm. that's what's going to help me to sort of um, exp- well, what, what to expect. So like I didn't have any high expectations or or whatever. I just sort of had to had to grow through it. Mm. Yeah, and we get a lot of um, former players in the show, and it's incredible the man the amount of players that you know go through a really tough transition and you know how they talk about the struggles. That, it is to go from professional sport to the real world, I guess, and the working force. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a space that 
I feel like there's not a lot of attention that gets given to it. Like I know every every competition and every sport will tick a box and you know do what they can for players that are retiring. But there's only so much they can do. You know, at the end of the day, you go from having a lifestyle that you've had since you were 15 to um, having to figure out life on your own. Um, did you have anyone in your corner? Did you have a support network or people that you could lean on that helped you get through that that tougher time? I guess, and even you know the time you only know, retired for six months, not even. So in the recent few months, is there people in your corner that help you out? Well, I think over the career, like you know, obviously big Joey Weeby there, um, you know, you know, well, bro. Like yeah. I think throughout my career, like he really sort of uh, highlighted what matters in life. You know, like um, you know, with your family, kids, like being grateful and all that type of stuff, and just sort of being able to clear your, uh, clear your head a lot. Um, that kept me in good stead to sort of, you know, if I if I was feeling any type of anxiety or, or you know, sort of like. Uh, pressure or anything like that, I was able to give him a phone call no matter what to just to, to be able to talk to him about different things and he was sort of really good about making sure that, you know, you, everything starts with you. Um, mm. You can control the situation in terms of with your thoughts and whatever you need to do. Yeah. Um, so that sort of led me to, to live in that sort of state of quite a bit. I was, like, I was still quite hard, but um, he, he was a big one that I could lean on. Um, yeah. And just sort of like... Uh, just like the network around me with my, my friends and um, some players that I played with and, and some family, you know, that I was able to uh, just talk with them, you know, yeah. or, or just yarn with them and and just just just, just be open with, with what I'm going through, just say, so, and then just be able to talk it out like that. That's helped a lot. Yeah. Because uh, even even to this day, like I, I still sort of ring some uh, like my cousin or you know Seth as well, um, yeah. talk through it, how they're going. So. That's what sort of helped me. Um, and then in, in, in particular, I think like just, yeah, as I said, reaching out to past players who sort of um, transitioned well. And I just, and some of the, I guess the, the, the good advice I got from them was to be able to give yourself time. Don't be so hard on yourself um, yeah. and feel like you need to have it right straight away. But also like uh, they were saying that really understand your personality type, you know, from whatever you did in your day-to-day stuff. Um, and I guess that's probably why I jumped into recruitment or whatever because I thought, like, you know, I don't mind having a yarn. Um, I like meeting up with people trying to, like, be of service of some sort. Yeah. Um, and then, like, you know, because they said, like, some people, you know, they don't understand their personality type and they just jump into something straight away and they realise they just hate it straight yeah. away yeah. Um, because it's just not for them. And, and it's okay to say it's not for them. You don't need to get it. But, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool advice for myself as well that I got from them. Yeah, the, the the key there as well is like you just touched on, you, you don't have to figure it out straight away. You don't have to retire and the next week figure out what you're going to do for the next 20 years of your life. Um, you know, yeah. The beauty is, is you know, there's going to have lessons. You're going to figure out what you like doing. Um, and, you know, you've got nothing but time. Uh, but it's really cool to see that you've ended up doing something that, you, you know, you can find yourself learning in and, and growing in. And, you know, doors will continue to open as you as you grow and, and get more knowledge and more experience in the workforce. Um you know, we talk in the spirit of the sport a lot about, you know, I guess, you know, your upbringing as an athlete. Um, did, did you ever have, like, I know you went to Patricia Brothers, but did your family have any backing in church or did you grow up with any, um, I guess, any faith as a child? Uh, my mum my was really uh, big on faith or is really big on faith, sorry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you know, a lot of Islanders are, you know, like uh, faith is in their life, you know, it's just part of, especially with Tommins, you know, it's... Uh, um, it, like everything's revolved around, like you know, 
God and Jesus and, and, and Christianity or, or whatever like that. But for, for myself personally, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I sort of just, I do believe in those, I guess, I guess, highest type of beings and that type of stuff, you know, things happen for a reason, um, that type of stuff. But I, I wouldn't say I was actively big on it, but uh, just seeing my, like, I guess my mum, I guess went through a little bit of mental health stuff and just seeing how, I guess, what uh, faith did for her, um, you know, really holding on to it. Because I, I feel like without it, she wouldn't have been in the place that she is like now, like in, in a good place, like without it. So yeah. um, I've got nothing against it or anything like that. I think it's got a place for, for everyone and anyone. Um, but for me personally, yeah, I just sort of, I, I don't know, just try and just surround myself with, with good people and just, um, you know, be open to sort of what, what, what comes yeah, yeah. In life, really. So, what else you surround yourself with? Uh, you surround yourself with some really good hair. We had David Gower on the show last week. <laughs> uh, we spent about <laughs> half the show talking about hairlines. Um, you, you mentioned Joseph Paulo, and, and, and Joseph's actually going to pop into the studio uh, next week. So, Come we've got on. Seth in the flesh. <laughs> yes. uh, he's back from France for a little while. The West Sydney boys. Um, now, I want to talk about hairlines really quickly. Um, yeah, you, you, you and Joseph Paulo, you actually remind me a lot of each other. You got very similar personalities. You got you communicate communicate great. Um, you, you you can make conversations with anyone. Um, very similar demeanors and personalities, but very very Benny. Let me repeat this: very very different hairlines. Okay. Okay. So right, for the listeners at home, Sammy Wyke says he's been rocking a mop. He's had this big afro since he was fifteen. Yeah. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful head of hair. Yeah. Beautiful. Locks. Joseph Paulo, at the very same age as as uh, as um, Sammy, had an afro as well at yeah. 15 years old. Okay. Nice afro. That's his thing. Right now, Joseph Paulo's hairline. No. We we call it the island because what's happened now? The front of it is actually broken away from the mainland. Oh wow. There's a gap. There's like it's <laughs> the front the, the front <laughs> the front's broken away. The, the, yeah, yeah. It's an evolution. It's uh well yeah global global warming climate change. It's real. The, the, the waters are rising, and it's like a like a, a sea going out. You know, the tide going out to sea. Oh my it's gosh. uh. We'll be interesting. We'll have a chat with you next week about that. But yeah, wow. Sammy, your the hair can't wait. Your hair is beautiful. I can tell. Sammy, we're actually at a part of the show now where it's a it's a hit piece. It's mm. it's a it's one of those things where listeners scream for more. Yeah, social media <laughs> loves it. Trends on Twitter. Yeah, it's a bit um, controversial. We might even just have a spin-off show just of just this. Yeah, lots of traffic. It's, it's a segment called the sixty second blitz. With Blitz, yeah, that's right. They also th- th- my name's Blitz, so that's that's how it works. But I'm just gonna fire. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm just gonna fire um, a few questions at you in 60 seconds, and you just got to answer the first the first que- answer that comes to your mind. You reckon you can handle that? Yeah, geez, yeah. All right, let's see how we go. All right, now listen. You go to the movies. You're gonna get a snack. You know, you got to You got to pick one snack. What, what, what's your go to? Oh, can't go past popcorn. No, oh, can't same. do it. Do you? Do, sorry. Do, yep. yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm going to interrupt here. No, this is my segment. It's the only thing I do on the show. But yeah, go for <laughs> it. Let me interrupt here. I'll just, we're talking about Joseph Paul and we're going to talk to him next week. So I'm in, this is, we were probably 23, 24. I'm at the movies with Sefa and I've got my popcorn. He's got his chock top. I'm eating my popcorn, watching the movie. As I'm eating, I've noticed that my popcorn's starting to get more and more sticky. Mm. I'm like, what's going on here? Okay. And I just kind of paused. I looked to my left where Sefa was sitting and Sammy... This bloke, he's licking his, his chock top, and then without even like shifting eyes, keep watching the screen, he just 
Benzies and arm over, Dipsy's chock top in my popcorn, covers his, his chock top with my popcorn, and just keeps licking the popcorn off his truck. So my popcorn's covered now in his, in his saliva and yeah, ice cream. Gross. And he's just oh. hasn't flinched. Like no, nothing's nothing's wrong with it. Yeah. But yes, I'm with you, Seb. Sammy, <laughs> popcorn's good. Sammy, have you done Chocolate, that? Matt. Have you done the chock top no, dipping into the popcorn? I have, but it's I, good. Like, I used to love pouring like pods. Yeah, uh, stickers pods inside my pop. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm Maltesers. Yeah, yeah. Popcorn. yeah, yeah. yeah I do the yeah, Maltesers. Yeah. So I, I had to choose one, so but I went with the popcorn. So two, they'll do my two. Yeah, um, mix stickers pods inside the popcorn. Oh, sweet and salty. Yeah, that's, bit, that's bit, bit like Benny, Benny's attitude. So I like it. So I, <laughs> it's the lifestyle I live. Now, um, <laughs> what's uh, what's your favourite food? Come on. Uh. Lebanese chuckle chicken. Oh, jeez. Oh, now, oh, John has a bit of garlic, oh, corn, like bread, <laughs> pickles. Yeah. Um, if you could meet any person, who would it be and why? Uh, Jason Momoa, I reckon. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, New movie coming out, just, June. Yep. Yeah, I, was, I feel like that's, if I was like really good looking and, and ripped, <laughs> I feel like that would be me. Like, yeah, yeah. Sort of, I'm the opposite of him, but anyway. If you're an actor, yeah, that's 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 who you'd be. Yeah, you've got low similarities to me, that fella. <laughs> now, what's um, what's something that none of our viewers would know about you? Uh, got a tramp stamp. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I yeah, didn't, know, I didn't even know that. Yeah, okay. What is yeah, it? Like, I, a... I keep my shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep my shirt on, but for different reasons. Yeah, what is it? Like a dragon <laughs> yeah, holding no, a fork, or? What is it? Nah, well, I'll give you a bit of a run. Like, so I think, um, so it's two really bad tattoos. Give us um, the stories. So the, so the first one is, uh, it's Wikes on my lower back. Okay. That's so all right. So I've Sonny Bill Williams. Nah, nah, trust me, it's rubbish. So he's at a time, Sonny Bill Williams was, uh, you know, he just came on the scene and uh, oh, it was like, you know, big and then. He got like uh, Williams was across the top. That's of right, back, yeah, you know? yeah. And it's all the boys doing that. I want to get hold of him, buddy. Get me last name on me back too. I thought, oh, different. I'll go down the lower back, and then uh, I didn't realise how how sore it'd be. So like, I think it was like eighteen or something like that. So I've gone in there. Yep, this design on there, which is a terrible design. Uh, and then the ladies put the first needle on there, and I just like they jumped off the table. I was like, oh no, I'm done. I can't do oh, it again. Like, you got a big line. You got to finish it. So. I just left the outline. So it's just to this day, there's only an outline. Uh, of oh, beautiful! Back. <laughs> 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 and your, your your back would look similar to Sunny Bills as well, like same shape. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, very physique. similar. Very yeah, yeah, similar. yeah. Just a <laughs> but um, but then the other the other rubbish tattoo is uh, you know I've got it's five o'clock somewhere in my bum. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that's a great song, by the way. James Stannard, yeah, me and James Stannard, my old roommates, uh, just said. Yeah, I don't know why we did it, but he just said, are we going to get our tat? I think we're both leaving at the same time. I was like, yeah, sweet. So, yeah, the sevens, the women's sevens coach uh, for Australia, yeah. Yeah, he's got the same bloody rubbish. Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere, tat on, on his left cheek. So good. Where were you when you got it? Uh, uh, the, the one on my bum or the bloody uh, the... lower back? Great song. Yeah, yeah great five song. Five o'clock yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, five o'clock somewhere. Alan Jackson. Yeah, we were both buddy. Tim found Alan that very Jackson quickly. Fans, but, um, 
Oh, it's on my favourites list. It's on my favourites <laughs> list. Don't worry. That was that was surprisingly, unsettingly found very quickly. Now, um, so favourite music? Are you a country man? Yeah, I, I like to mix it up a bit. I am a big country man. I right. like a lot of remixes and stuff. Okay. Uh, but I, I like to stick with the like uh, 90s and early 2000s type of music. Yeah, yeah okay. can't be there. Yeah. yeah, I'm up for the 90s. That's me. Now, um, yep. if you could have played um, at the same level with the same ability that you had in Union, but another sport, what would that sport be? Surfing. Oof. Oh, yeah, yeah good call. Good call. It's all year round, isn't it? All year round, just yeah. chase around, oh, chase yeah. the sun. Chase the sun as well. Yeah. Chase yeah. the sun, yeah. Just, mate, it just, it just, it just seems free out there. Obviously, there's a couple of bloody Noah's Arcs out there sometimes. Quite <laughs> 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 off, maybe, but just, yeah, I just feel like that, that, that seems like a cool lifestyle. All right, last but not least, um, you get off a plane, you get on a plane, you're allowed to go for a holiday anywhere. What's, where, where are you going? Whoa, jeez. Um, I, I think I'd like to go to the Meldives. Okay. Um, oh, nice. Is that, how, is that how you pronounce it, Meldives? Yeah, Maldives? Sure. Whatever. But yeah, I think I'd like to go there. Have yeah. you done that, Timmy? It just looks funny. Nah, no. I'll, I'll tell you why. Like, oh. I think if it is beautiful, it'd be great. Because you're always going to Lebanon? <laughs> I think I'd be bored. Oh, okay. I, think, I think it'd be fun for a couple of days, and then, I don't know, I just feel like, well, where's, yeah. what's there to do? Yeah. Scenery's not enough for you, is it? Nah, I, I, I need, need, I need, yeah, I need I'm stimulation. I'm I need city smoke, smog. I need, I need you know, pollution. I need, yeah. <laughs> I need to clog my arteries on something. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'd love to do it one day. Maybe maybe I can go with you once, Sammy. That'd be good. Spirit yeah. of sport. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Christmas we'll party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I might get one with you. Yeah. You know, I haven't got a tattoo, Ben. <laughs> you don't? I don't, yeah. I, For I, an athlete, there's not many of us. There's not many of us holding the fort. I reckon this week, me, you, Sammy, spirit of sport on our bums. I, um, I don't. I think, yeah, man, I'll go more for it. Just SOS. I think that the amount of body hair yeah. I have that you, know, you wouldn't be able to see it even if I did get one. Like if I got a sleeve, you're not going to see it through my arm hair. <laughs> You've got a sleeve. It's just, I probably it's got just it. Yeah, you, you, just, you just wouldn't can't see it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, Sammy, you survived the, the 60 second blitz to the blitz. Mm. I've got my own Mate, question. 60, 60 seconds took five minutes. Yeah, oh, not really. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's, a, that's time, an issue. Time flies it's actually, when it's good content. No, well, it's actually an issue. We've had a few complaints come in for the last few yeah, weeks from no our doubt. former guests mm. who complain about the the timing of uh, his blitz, and yeah. it's all right. We'll, we'll work with it. Producer Tom's going to have a bit of a word with him, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sure Producer Tom will um, lay down the law asap. Um, Sammy, I'll let him my own question. Do you do you um, put conditioner in there? <laughs> do I what? Sorry, conditioner. Is it got conditioner in there in that hair? Yeah. I, I like to steal my wife's one. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, just to get that bit of soul glow there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 she doesn't like it. Like, obviously, I think she's an expensive year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I try and sort of sneak a bit in here and there. But, yeah, a bit of coconut oil. Sometimes. Oh, wow. Um, Good tip. You know, <laughs> you know what? You usually remind me. Um, so, someone told us that uh, coconut oil is good for hair regrowth. Yeah. So Sammy would ride or would come back from, from Fiji and he'd have these like homemade coconut oils and he would sit outside of um, Peter Wynn selling them on the street at Parramatta. How good. And No, he wasn't. That's a true story. A true, he would have a table set outside of Peter Wynn's. Peter would let him set it up while he would go, go for it. And he'd, and he'd always sell out. It would be like in a, so, no label on it. Obviously go to the, Seth didn't go out there to buy some, eh? No, well, that's, I, let me finish my story. He goes privately 
to Semi because Semi is, a, is a, he, mate, he can sell snake oil and this he did mm. convinced Sefa that this will help him grow hair Sefa buys some <laughs> coconut oil off him <laughs> and uses it <laughs> and let me tell you Sammy I can tell you with, with a hand on my heart it does not work no. <laughs> ship has sailed regardless yeah oh. Oh, I can't wait. We're always talking about Seth. I can't wait to get him on the show, Benny. Yeah. I can't wait just to sit him oh, down. Man, we'll get him in the studio. Yeah, We've got the man. camera here. Get him on the One road. of the best. One of the yeah. greatest. And I'm, I was actually so pumped. Yeah. I was awake at 4 a.m. watching him play um, against the league. They had the, this final. We'll talk about it next week. Mm. But they had a final to get yeah. into the Super League. And oh, I was so happy for him. Because, yeah, he'd been through a few grand finals. We never got to play. And mm. now he got to play in one. And I'm sure it would have been a special day. But, Sammy, today's all about you, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Now, I always I, at this last end of the show, I always talk about um, you know the kind of guys we got on the show, and we're so lucky that we got people like you that gave us your time. But you know, you, you know, we read your stats at the start of the show, the two hundred games, fifteen years, and it's all impressive and huge. But it's only a small slice, small chapter of your life, and I'm so excited to hear that you know you're, you're tackling the next chapter and the transition head on. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know that it comes with challenges, but your attitude from day one has been amazing. And I'm so excited to see what you're going to do. Obviously, we're mates, and I'm going to we're going to be in each other's life. I'm going to see where you end up. But I'm so excited to see where the next chapter takes you and where you end up because um, you got a huge future, a bright future ahead of you, mate. And um, we're really grateful that you joined us on our show. Mate, thanks for having me, lads. Thanks for the words, and I really appreciate it. Cheers, Sammy. Thanks, brother. See you, mate. Chat soon. No worries, lads. Have a good one. Cheers. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So. We doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.